The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Why don't you hold your Bible, lift it up real high, and shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's word. And my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Praise God. We started a series uh, four weeks ago talking about how to receive and minister healing. Amen? And our two foundational scriptures have been 3 John 2, uh, which says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Did you see that? He said, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in how many? In all things and be in health just as your soul prospers or even as your soul prospers. And so we see and we've established building up to today uh, that divine health is a, is a life above divine healing. Uh, divine health is God's perfect will for you and I. Amen? Divine health is a life where you never have to uh, need divine healing. You just live in a place of perfect health. And this is God's ultimate uh, wish or will for all of his children. Romans 8, uh, verse 11. I'm going to read it in the King James first. And then we'll read it in the New Living Translation. Uh, Romans 8, verse 11. Thank you, Jesus. Watch what it says. It says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give, your li- give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, uh, if you read it in the New King James or the King James, it makes it seem like it's a question. But the Apostle Paul is not asking a question. He is stating a statement of fact. And the statement of fact can be seen if we read the same verse in the New Living Translation. In the New Living Translation, this is what he said in the NLT. He says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. As a new covenant believer, you have a different reality from the rest of the world. Amen? Amen. I said amen. amen. He says, the same Spirit, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. He lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He, the Spirit, will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Man, this is a powerful scripture. Amen? For new covenant believers, God has created you to live your life from the inside out. But the inside part or the inward part is you realizing this truth, this reality that there is a spirit that's powerful enough to bring dead things back to life. And this spirit brought our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ back to life. 
He was in the tomb three days, and on the third day, he rose up again, kicked that uh, uh, stone from the tomb, and he walked as a, as a, as a man who had been brought back to life. Amen? amen? I said, amen. amen. And now the Bible turns around and it says, that same spirit which raised Jesus from the dead, it lives on the inside of you. And if that's the case, he will give to your mortal bodies. He does not dispute the fact that you live in a frail mortal body. He does not dispute the fact that your mortal body is sometimes going to try and act mortal. In other words, you might catch a flu here and there, but don't forget that you have a power on the inside of you that can fight that off. So you have a choice. You can either shut that down, that power on the inside of you, just keep the valve on, or you can release the valve and it will push out everything that's trying to overwhelm your body. Amen. Someone shout, the same spirit. The same spirit. That raised Jesus, from the dead, raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of me. Therefore, it will quicken my cells, my tissues, Every organ, every joint, in Jesus' name. And that's the simple prayer you should pray when your organs start to act crazy. You say, hey, hey, that same, you don't have to buy a plane ticket to try and go to someplace else to get healing. See, you're chasing something that's on the radio on the inside of you. Amen. God is saying it's the same spirit. It's resident on the inside of you. You just have to let it loose. When you eat your, your kidneys, try to act the fool. You say, hey, kidneys, I have the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Therefore, life to the kidneys. Resurrection life. Amen. I said, amen. Listen, you even have more power than you need. Because as long as you're not dead, you're using less of that power. Amen. God gave you power. That covers everything. And you, I mean, at most, all you're ever going to need is just a dot. It's just a, a quarter of that power. If you're not dead, if your lungs are not dead, they're still alive, hey, you can infuse them with that power and they'll come back to full capacity. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of every believer. And the enemy, you know, John 10, 10, tells us that the enemy, the thief, Satan, he comes to do what? He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, thieving or stealing, you know, thievery, you know, when he comes, he's not coming to leave something. He's coming to, to take away something. And, and, you know, I used to think that the, the devil is, is like this warrior, you know, walking around with a, with a bag full of arrows and all of them, you know, are... are Oh, sickness and disease, all kinds of sickness and disease, and he's just going around sporadically, just, you know, shooting these arrows at people, diabetes, you know, uh, 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 multiple scoliosis, right? You know, <laughs> you know, uh, whatever it is, right? He's just he's shooting these things, eyesight problems. Just I used to think, man, is that, no, the devil doesn't have any arsenal. The only thing he has is the power to deceive so that he can steal Thieves, when they come to your house, they don't leave iPhone, you know, iPhone 13s. They come, no, they came to take away something, not to give something. Amen. I said, Amen. And so, what the enemy is trying to do is to steal away this word. It is to take away this word. And if you let him, he will take away this word as quickly as it is released right now. 
you know, I'm releasing it. You have the same uh, uh, spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. You know, some of you didn't even hear that because you're taking a nap on that part. So what, what has the devil done? He's taken that word. He's taken that word. He's taking it from you. And I say it again, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it will quicken your mortal body. Some of you don't hear it because, see, your mind is the ability to be here but be at home at the same time. Okay. <laughs> Amen? Your imagination can run wild. And so the enemy wants to work with people's imagination so that they miss the important parts of God's promises. So, you know, the enemy is like that bird that came and stole that word, took that word that fell on the wayside. Remember Mark chapter number four? He says some of the seed uh, fell on the wayside and the birds of the air came and took that seed before it, it found depth. Before it hit the, the hot level, the enemy just wants to take it and steal it from you. Before you have a personal conviction on the matter. Because all he does is steal. And when he steals that word, it disarms you from all the curses that are floating around in the world. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And so we hear in Mark chapter number 4 that if this word falls on the, on the you know, rough ground, wayside, uh, 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 you know, the, the birds are going to steal it. And this uh, symbolizes uh, a lack of understanding. When you don't understand these things, man, the enemy will literally come and take advantage of you. Number two, he says thorny ground. And he said with the thorny ground, it's the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and lots of other things entering in. It choked the word. So even the word uh, that goes into the ground and it springs forth, as it starts to grow, the enemy, all he can do is throw circumstances at you. Cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches. What are cares of this world? It is the worries, the anxieties, sometimes of things that don't concern you. Those things will choke the word. In fact, they say 90 to 99% of the things people worry about never happen. So why does the enemy release that kind of uh, worry and anxiety in people's hearts? It is so that it can choke the word. Amen? Deceitfulness of riches. When we're just going after stuff, you know, it can choke the word. Lots of other things. It chokes the word. The third uh, ground he talks about is the stony ground where he says, you know, uh, you will bring persecution. Persecution comes for the sake of the word. And the people uh, 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 with the stony ground, they are quickly offended and they give up on that word. They are quick to give up. You know, when people have a, 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 a stony ground, they, they, you know, they endure but for a season, but then they quickly give up. You know, they would start sowing and participating in these principles we are talking about just for two and a half months. When they don't see results, man, they quickly give up on the principle. Yet God is an entire world waiting for them if they just persevered. It's called do not give up. Do not grow weary in well-doing. For you will reap in due season if you don't faint. There is a reaping in due season when you learn not to faint. What is learning not to faint? Learning not to faint is learning how to have endurance in the race. Man, I'm preaching better than you're listening. It's learning how to, I'm telling you, this is good preaching. Yo, man, I'm telling you. Learning how to run the race, the entire race, stay on the course. That's how you get the benefits out of God's promises. Amen. 
You remember Jesus? He said to his uh, disciples, uh, let's go over to the other side. And as they started going to the other side, uh, there was a storm that came, uh, lightning and all. I mean, it was a crazy storm, right? That came and uh, uh, things started to happen. And his disciples, they started to, to panic. And as they were, you know, in panic mode, Jesus got up from his uh, sleep and he, he cursed the, the, the storm. He said, quiet, be still. And when he finished saying those words, there was, you know, a, a peace. I mean, the, the, the sea was as smooth as glass. And Jesus turned to his disciples. You would think that he would console them and say, man, I'm sorry I took a nap. No, Jesus rebuked them and he said, oh, ye of little faith. Now, I used to think that Jesus is saying, your faith is little. No, that's not what he said. If you look in the Greek, he's not saying your faith is little in size because in the same breath he said, if your faith is little, it can move mountains. So when he says, all ye of little faith, he's saying, all ye of a faith that quickly gives up. All ye of a faith that's quick to throw out the toys and say, this doesn't work. All ye of little faith that can only run 100 meters. And so when he says little faith, he said it again when he walked on water. You remember? Jesus came walking on water. And they said, it's a ghost. He said, no, it's not a ghost. It's me. Don't be afraid. And then he said, Peter said, if it's you, I want to walk on water too. And he got out and he walked on water. When Jesus finally got to the boat, he says, oh, ye of little faith, how long shall I suffer you? What was he talking about? He was saying, man, you can only have faith for two steps. But you quickly give up. He's talking about an enduring faith. A faith that having done all to stand, it stands therefore. Amen. Amen. A faith that's willing to go all the way. And it's sad to say that in our generation, you know, people don't know how to go all the way. People don't know how to have endurance. But Hebrews 6 verse 12 says, Do not be slothful, but be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises of God. So if you're going to inherit the promises of God, you need a combination of these two. Faith and patience. Someone say patience. If you read in the uh, NIV, I think, it says you need a faith and a patient endurance. Amen? Because the faith... Walk. This is why he says we walk by faith and not by sight. It is because you can walk further than you can run or fly. So he wants you to keep walking. Amen. I said amen. amen. You can walk further. He wants you to have a patient that's willing to stay the course for a long time. And when you learn to stay the course for a long time, man, you're going to hit the breakthrough. You're gonna, you know, people talk about breakthrough. They talk about a moment of a, a, a supernatural promotion. All of that is scattered on the path of faithfulness and staying on the course. Can I get an amen? amen. And so we need to learn how to stand. And so today I'm going to give you two uh, principles that you can stand on. I believe uh, these are powerful and uh, th there will be a blessing to you. Let's go to Isaiah 53. We're talking about, uh, you know, receiving and ministering healing. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 comes after Isaiah 52. And in Isaiah 52, you know, uh, uh, the prophet Isaiah is prophesying. That, that was deep, right? <laughs> that was deep. I thought it was deep. But here's the deal is that in Isaiah 52, uh, prophet Isaiah is prophesying about the coming Messiah and what's going to happen to him. And at one point, I think we should read it. 
You know, I always quote it, but I think we should read it today. Let's go to Isaiah 52, uh, verse 14. This is one of the most powerful scriptures uh, you will see of what happened at the cross. Watch what it says, 52, uh, verse 14. He says, just as many were astonished at you, so his visage, capital letter H, so he's talking about Jesus, his visage or his face was marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of man. Essentially what he's saying is when Jesus was on the cross, when he took all the beating and all the punishment spiritually and physically, a lot of people don't realize that Jesus also took spiritual punishment. When he took the spiritual and the physical punishment, it disfigured him to the point where his visage was marred beyond recognition. He didn't even look like a man when he took the punishment on the cross. And he did all of that so that you and I could be free from any form of punishment. He took the punishment of sin. He took the punishment of sickness and disease. He took the curse. Scripture tells us he became the curse. He became air curse in Galatians 3.13. He became air curse so that we, through that, might become the blessed of Abraham, might receive that promise through faith. Amen? He became sin so that we, through that, might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It wasn't a simple transaction. Jesus actually suffered physical pain to the point where he was beyond recognition. You know, the passion of Christ, they tried to show us the pain and the agony that he went through. But uh, Mel Gibson, apparently, he actually said if they had gone with the accurate uh, depiction of what scripture says he went through, no one would have been able to watch it. It would have been X-rated. Because even they, reading scripture, when they read what Jesus went through, they were like, man, this is too much. I thought it was X-rated the way it was, but they tell you, man, Jesus suffered way more, and he did it for you. He did it so that you and I could walk scot-free, free from the curse of the law, free from sin, free from sickness and disease, free from any cancers, free from any tumors, because Jesus took it on the cross. Amen? And so after Isaiah finished saying that, he says in Isaiah 53, who has believed our report? In other words, this report is so good, who will believe it? And then he answers himself in uh, Isaiah 53 verse 1. He says, to whom, the one who has believed our report, to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? You want to see the power of God? Believe the good news of what Jesus did on the cross. Man, a lot of people are trying to see the power of God through you know, earning it and generating it. God never called you to be the power generator. God never called you to be the glory generator. Amen? I said amen. He never called you to be the one that generates the light. All he did was call you to be the reflection of the light that he generates. Can I get an amen? amen. See, if you want to short circuit the power of God, try generate it or try earn it. If you want to see no power, try and generate it yourself. Hallelujah. In fact, when I was, you know, uh, 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 still with my religious crew, legalistic and all, man, we would try and generate the power of God. And we never saw anyone healed. 
And, and the, more, the, the more no results we saw, can I say that? The more lack of results we saw or the more defeats we saw, the more we tried harder. <laughs> we would go and say, man, you know what? Let's go on a fast. Let's go on a fast, a, a seven-day fast, because we've got to come back powerful and anointed through this fast that we are doing. And then we would go on that thing and come back and try to do some. Nothing happens. Take off my jacket. Fire. Nothing happens. They don't fall. <laughs> no one falls. This thing isn't working. There's no power here. So what are we going to do? We're going to turn the heat up 12 days. Man, if something is not working, you need to quit on it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Do you know what the Apostle Paul said about the power of God? In Romans chapter number 1, 16 to 17, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel is the source of all power. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it, the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation. To all those that believe, first to the Jews, then to the Greek, for therein, therein what? Therein the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Not faith in themselves, faith in what Jesus did on the cross. Man, we, we, we tried. We tried to generate this thing, and if the seven-day fasting didn't work, go to run back, try and get a prayer shower. And it has to have a label, came from Israel. And so when you pray, you prayer shower yourself. And uh, Shandara Bubu, yeah, this must be powerful now. Why? Because I've got a prayer shower. He never said you're going to get your power. He said the gospel is where you get the power. Yeah. It's interesting how we are trying to get the power of God from everything else except where you say the power is. And so if the prayer shower didn't work, we would say, okay, now we need to go and pray in the mountains. Because I'm in low altitude prayers. Ah, uh, this, this, that's milk, Baba, that's milk. And then we'll start praying, uh, you know, up on the mountains. And then you start praying on the mountains. And, and, you know, you realize, man, there's no power. And you're doing religious calisthenics to try and do something that Jesus has already accomplished on the cross. And, man, I started to, I quit on all the religious games. And I started to see more power in my life, in my family's life, just depending on Jesus and paying attention, focusing on what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Man, people are doing the most. In fact, the only people Jesus rebuked were the people that were doing the most. I mean, people, Jesus would meet with sinners, and you think, man, he's going to give it to this lady. She's got five husbands. He's going to give it to you. No, he doesn't. And then he would meet the religious Pharisees here who tithe even the mint and the cumin. You know, when the Pharisees would go to uh, uh, a fruit and veg and buy paprika or, or any of those, they would take 10% of that, of that paprika, bring it to charming. I mean, they would tithe everything. And Jesus is, he, those are the ones, because he noticed that they're trying to get power from the wrong thing. They were trying to get power from the scriptures, and he says, you don't realize that this scripture speak of me. They were trying to get power from keeping the religious law, and Jesus turned around and he said, man, you are of your father, the devil. And then the woman with five husbands, he says, go your way and sin no more. I don't condemn you. Why? 
Because being legalistic is probably worse. It's a form of pride because you're trying to earn something that nobody could earn. Only Jesus gave it as a gift. Amen? Therefore, this is why no one should boast. Man, whenever you see boasting, it's because there's a lack of understanding. But anyway, moving right along, verse 2. He says, uh, for he, Jesus, shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a shoot out of the dry ground. He has no form, no comeliness. And when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. In other words, when Jesus came onto the earth, he came onto the scene. I mean, he didn't stand out. He wasn't like a you know, uh, uh, one of the Hollywood stars, and, you know, he didn't stand out. He was just like normal, like anybody else. And this reveals really God's desire and God's heart and God's nature when it comes to how God operates. God, our God is a God of humility. Amen. And if I was God and I'm coming to the earth, I'm not coming as one of you. <laughs> no, no, I've got to be distinguished. I'm, com <laughs> I'm coming as God. I will float from the sky, just, just float and shh. And then when I land, then it must be known that God is here. But no, not our God. He says when you look at him, there is no beauty in him. Why? Because he's coming for a reason, for a, for a plan. Verse 3, he is despised and rejected of man. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely, someone say surely. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. This is one of the most powerful verses you ever read in Scripture. Isaiah 53, verse 4. In fact, let me read it in the Amplified. Amplified Classic. Let me read it in the Amplified Classic, if we have that, or the Amplified. <clears throat> I want you to see what it says. So, you know, Isaiah is prophesying, right? Uh, and he's prophesying what Jesus will do. He will come and he's going to go to the cross. And at this point, he switches sides and he comes and he joins uh, the, the children of Israel, the Jews that uh, crucified Jesus. And here's what he said. He said, surely he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet, someone say yet. Yet. So yet here represents the people who are standing there and witnessed this event. People who are standing there, they looked at Jesus while he was at the cross, carrying our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, carrying our sorrows and pain, uh, pains of punishment. They looked there and did this. Ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as if with leprosy. So they stood there and they said, Esher, he deserved this. The reason this is happening to him is because this man, just like everybody said, this man is a sinner. This man, there is no one who can experience this kind of punishment except it's God punishing him. Karma, right? This man is getting exactly what he deserves. And then he turns around in verse 5, which makes verse 5 very powerful. He turns around and he says, but he was wounded for our transgression. It wasn't his. He went through all of that, not for himself. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Oh, man, that's good. 
Jesus took all of that punishment so that you and I could receive healing. Whatever Jesus did, it is so that you don't have to experience it. Jesus became the curse so that you could receive the blessing. Jesus became sin so that you could be declared righteous. Man, this is awesome. And he says, by his stripes, the stripes that he took on his body, what do we receive? Healing. Man, this is powerful. And I know there are some in the body of Christ that believe uh, Jesus took 39 stripes. Uh, actually, he was punished under the Roman law, so his stripes were not limited to 39. Yeah. That was a Jewish custom. The reason why they limited the stripes to 39 in the Jewish custom was because the maximum limit for you know, whipping somebody was actually 41. And legally, while someone was hitting you, if they went over 40 and they struck you for the 41st time, legally you could snatch the whip from their hands and you were allowed to whip them back. And so the Jews, they didn't want to play with that, you know, uh, the margin of error is too close. So they said instead of going all the way to 40, you may have miscounted, just stay as far as you can from the limit. And so they would say whip them for 39. There ain't no spiritual significance. It was just, you know, street wisdom. <laughs> Amen? And when Jesus got whipped, there was no limit because it was the Romans that were whipping him. And therefore, what it means is there is no limit to what Jesus can heal. He covered the whole deal. There is nothing too big for Jesus. He took a stripe for it. Amen? I said, amen. amen. And watch what he says in uh, uh, verse, uh, verse 6. In fact, let's give all of that. Let's just go to uh, the, uh, verse 10. Let's go to verse 10 and watch what he says. He says, yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. And he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in the land. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied by his knowledge. Shall my righteous servant justify many? For ye shall bear their iniquities. Jesus did all of this. But I want you to see the connection between the healing of uh, disease and, and sickness and also the forgiveness of sin. They always go hand in hand together. Yeah. Everywhere you see the forgiveness of sin, somewhere in there you're going to see the healing from their diseases and from their sicknesses, because they go uh, hand in hand. Now watch what he says, verse 12. Therefore, God is speaking now, therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. Who is the great? The great is Jesus. So God is saying, I'm going to divide my portion of my inheritance with Jesus because of this work that he has done. And if you look in Philippians, it says, God has given to Jesus the name above every other name. That's the inheritance. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of things on the earth, things under the earth, and things above. And after God did that, watch what Jesus did. And he, Jesus, shall divide the spoil with the strong. When Jesus received this name with so much authority, he took that name and divided it with the strong. Who are the strong? The strong are you and I. So Jesus took this name and gave it to you so that you can walk around with delegated authority and begin to execute judgment. Man, this story even gets better. Watch what he says. He says, he poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors and he bare the sin of many. And made intercession for the transgressors. 
And so we see here that Jesus has empowered us uh, to, 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 to go out and heal the world. Amen? And now let's go to Psalm 105. Psalm 105, verse 37. There is always a connection between healing and forgiveness of sin. In fact, the word salvation is soterio, which includes healing. It includes forgiveness of sin. It also includes prosperity, and it includes God protecting us from all these destructive things that are going on in the world right now. Amen? It says in Psalm 105, verse 37, He brought them out forth with silver and gold, and there was not one person feeble amongst their tribes. He's talking about the children of Israel when they were delivered by Moses uh, from Egypt to be led into their own land. Colossians 1.13 tells us that you and I have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Amen? Amen. I said amen. And so similarly, this bringing forth happened to you and I. And in the Old Testament when it happened, they came out or they were saved as a type and a shadow with silver and gold. And there was not one person feeble amongst them. Think about it. These are people who had been subjected to slavery for 400 years. There is bound to be someone with a broken leg. There is bound to be someone with a pro troublesome knee. There is bound to be someone with a bad back. There is bound to be someone with a problem in their head. They have migraines. There is bound to be something going on. But when God brought them out, which is a type of salvation, when God brought them out after Passover, they partook of the lamb and put the blood on their uh, uh, doorposts. When God brought them out, out, not only did he bring them out with silver and gold, in other words, they all prospered, but immediately he healed them. And there was not a single person feeble. An entire nation was healed overnight. Man, this is good news. The word feeble simply means lacking in strength, physical strength. And when scripture declares that, there was not, not a single person. And I mean, we're talking millions of people. Not a single person was feeble amongst them. And I believe Jesus is coming back for this kind of church. Oh, just one amen over here. I said, I believe Jesus is coming. He's not coming back for a weak church. He's not coming back for a feeble church. If he did it in an inferior covenant, I believe he's going to do it again. He's coming back for a church that's going to be brought out with silver and with gold, in other words, prospering even in the financial realm. And not only that, not a single amongst them will be feeble. If sickness attacks, one will rise up, lay hands on them, get fixed. Not a single person feeble amongst them. And I want to show you this. Sickness and uh, uh, sin are two fruits of the same tree. This is why scripture always groups them together. When he brought them out, that was deliverance from sin. When he brought them out, not a single one was feeble amongst them. Because it's the, the same way you receive salvation is the same way you receive healing. Did you realize that? The same way you receive salvation is the same way you receive healing. How hard was it for you to get born again? 
easy. All I had to do was believe in my heart, confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ died and that on the third day he rose up again. And if I did that, scripture declares that I am saved, right? And what do I have to do to receive healing? I just have to receive it as a spiritual reality and fact that Jesus paid for it at the cross. By his stripes I am healed and if I was healed, then I am healed and I'm going to receive that healing and experiencing it. But you see, sometimes as church folk, we think salvation is much easier than healing. Actually, when you look at it real close, salvation is way more difficult than healing. Because salvation is bringing dead people to life. Healing is just fixing something that's broken on someone who's alive. Amen? If you could receive salvation, you can receive healing. Watch what it says in Psalm 103. Psalm 103. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Did you see that? He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The reason he's saying that is there are benefits in the Lord. And there's a, there's a chance, if you allow it, uh, that you, you, you may forget these benefits. And so he doesn't want you and I to, <coughs> to forget these benefits. And so he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. And he puts a semicolon there, and he begins to list them. Number one, who forgives all. Someone say all. all. Now, question. Is there a sin too big for God to forgive? What if I kill somebody? Can God forgive, forgive that? Now, if there's no sin big enough for God to forgive, there's no sickness big enough for God to heal. Hallelujah. Watch what it says. Who forgives us of all thine iniquities, who healeth all. Someone say all. It says who heals all. The big ones and the small ones, God wants to heal all. Amen. I'm going to push the envelope a little bit. Even the ones you brought on yourself, God will heal you of them. I remember, you know, the one time we were at the gym and we were doing deadlift on that day and they call it the one rep max. You know, one, they want to know how much can you deadlift in one rep. And so you got all these people on the floor and they are stacking up and and, and we call it ego lifting. You know, ego lifting is, is when your ego takes over your brain. And now you're lifting what you shouldn't be lifting because the ego has taken over. So I stacked this thing up, 165 kgs. And I went down and I picked it up. I picked this thing up. And halfway as I was coming, I had a snap. It was a loud snap, just snap, just And I let that thing go. And I walked out of the class. That was it. I, le I left, I left, I was like, that's it. And I remember sitting in the car, and, 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 and you know, the Holy Ghost said to me, why don't you lay hands on I said, but I don't know if God is going to heal this. I brought it on myself. <laughs> this one, I said, I said, this one, I brought it on myself. And God said to me, man, I'll heal you of the things that you even brought on yourself. Just like I forgave you of the sins that, see, when we were sinning, I don't know about you, Sin, when we were sinning, 
you know, it didn't look like, you know, stinking scene. No, it was like, yeah, oh, oh, bring more scene, oh. I don't know about you, but I mean, I was having fun. I brought it on myself, right? You know, sometimes you get around Christians, they make it feel, feel like when you were sinning, you were like, oh, it's, uh, I shouldn't, uh, no, you were having a ball. And still God forgave you of that sin. Amen? You brought it on yourself. God forgave you of that sin. Just like, man, it could be your fault, right? But God will still heal you because his loving kindness and mercy. Watch what he says. He says in verse 4, he redeems our life from destruction. He crowns you with his loving kindness and tender mercies. When God... You know, shows up on the scene. He's showing up to crown you with loving kindness and tender mercy. Do you know what mercy is? Mercy is when God stops you from receiving what you should have been receiving. That's mercy. And grace is when God gets you to receive what you don't deserve to receive. Amen? And so here when he says his, his, his mercies are tender, it means, man, God is just showering you with tender mercies. Amen? And he says, verse 5, he satisfies our mouth with good things so that your youth, this is the reason he satisfies your mouth with good things or he brings prosperity, spiritual prosperity this way, it is so that your youth is renewed like that of an eagle. Man, you want an anti-aging agent that works all the time you come face to face into the revelation of his loving kindness and mercies you start to bask in that thing man i've showed up to place i show up to places they think i'm 25 (laughs) meanwhile back at the ranch i'm only 32 (laughs) praise the lord And I, I, went, I, went to, I went to school with, with some of the guys I went to school with. If I, if I stood next to them, man, boys, them boys were looking 72. I'm looking, <laughs> what's happened to you? You know what they need? They need loving kindness and tender mercies. They need God to satisfy their mouth with good things. They need God to uh, renew their youth like that of an eagle. It says of Moses, when he was 120 years old, his strength was not abated, nor his eyesight diminished. He could still see like an 18-year-old. And he could still pick up stuff. Man, wouldn't it be awesome to be a cool, a functioning grandfather one day? That's what I want to do. When I'm 90 years old, I want to be able to drive myself. I don't know about you. So I need this verse more than most people because I have plans for my future. Now I want people to now, when I show up, everybody, I can't believe they, are they coming to your house? Monesu <laughs> calling tonight. I think they might come to your house. And tonight, like, no, I don't want him at my house. Because <laughs> then we're going to stop everything we're doing to try and help this, this brother. You know how you, 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 you can be an old, functioning, grand old father, mother? You do it by coming into the full revelation of what Jesus paid for at the cross. His loving kindness. is Man, don't get into it. Legalism will get you old quick. 
Have you met these people who, who are, they're like, man, but you, you go to church. Man, you, you go to church Monday through Friday. Oh, man, you fast all the time. But, oh, man, I don't want your life. Have you ever met those people? Man, I meet them all the time. They're legalistic. They're just trying hard, and they don't even enjoy it. They don't, they don't like their life. You know why? Because God never meant for it to be lived that way. He says, man, he says, charge them who are rich in this world not to be high-minded, but not to try and put their trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, watch this, who richly gives us all things to enjoy. The reason God has brought you here is so that a part of it, you worship him, but a part of it, you get to enjoy life. You think, man, church folk think God created the beach not to be swimming. Religious folk. I went to Durban. Uh, I was at, at the beach in Durban with my shorts, no T-shirt. I'm swimming. I'm having a ball. Someone says, "You are you a pastor?" I said, "Yeah, I'm a, a pastor. Swims <laughs> in shorts." I said, "So who do you think God created the beach for? How? What's wrong with you?" Man, they want me to be at the monastery somewhere. They're cramming scripture. I've got enough scripture to swim and enjoy and meditate at the same time. You know, I'm just saying. Amen. Man, I, I, you know, I like life. Amen. Now, watch what it says, verse 6. We're going to wrap it up in, in a minute. Oh, man, I'm out of time. Woo. Let me read this. Verse 6. Watch what it says. It says, The Lord executes righteousness. And how did he execute righteousness? He put your sin on Jesus so that he could declare you righteous. Did you see that? Did you see that? In fact, let's practice. Someone shout, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Some of you, we're telling you, you know, believers shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. As you're about to lay hands on someone, the enemy is going to bring up your sin. And some of you are going to try to defend yourself. That's where you fail. In fact, scripture tells us, agree with your adversary quickly. When the enemy says you are no good for nothing, you know what you should say? Yes, I know I'm a no good for nothing. That's why I have Jesus. Because Jesus is not a no good for nothing. Jesus is everything I'll ever need. And so I get my righteousness from Jesus and not from my own actions. So I'm going to go ahead and do what God has called me to do, even though I may have, uh, uh, you know, uh, failures. As you try to lay hands on someone, someone, you didn't pray this morning. You didn't pray for food. You didn't pray for lunch. Yeah, I know I forgot. I'm forgetful sometimes. But right now, I'm not leaning on my righteousness. I'm leaning on Jesus' righteousness. You want to do God's work based on your righteousness, you're going to be in trouble. Even when you live, you know, the most righteous life. I mean, I live the most righteous life than most people I know. I mean, I try. Okay? I, I don't do, uh, I don't wave at people with one hand in traffic. You know, I try to love on people. I don't, I don't do stuff that most people do. I don't even eat sugar unless it's Friday. But watch this, even with my high standard, if I try to depend on that for the power of God to flow through me, I'm going to fail. Because it's not based on what you do or don't do, it's based on what Jesus did on the cross. And so I'm not trying to cover my tracks, because I have no tracks to cover. You know, I once bought this uh, little Google Home uh, speaker, 
I was excited to, to put that in the house, and someone came to me and said, Pastor, you know, uh, do you know that the people at Google are listening to you? I said, but, I mean, they're going to be bored to death. I mean, what are they going to, it's not like I have government secrets. I don't have government secrets. I mean, the only thing we're going to be talking about is what's in the Bible. In fact, this is a good way of evangelism for the people at Google. I would like for them to tune in, especially on a Thursday at 7 p.m. It's going to be live group, and we can have them. Welcome. Be my guest. And so I still put that speaker. I don't know if they listen, you know. Uh, uh, I see people, you know, they put a, a tape on the, on the, on the, uh, the, the camera because they don't want to, man, man, there's nothing to see. I mean, I'm, you know, what you see on a Sunday morning, that's what you're going to see on Tuesday. It's the same thing. Amen. But watch what it says in verse 6. It says, the Lord executes righteousness and judgment. Someone say judgment. Yes. It says, God executes righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. A lot of church folk get thrown off by this word judgment. They are afraid of judgment. Man, I like judgment. You know why? Because when you come into the court of God, uh, uh, leaning on Jesus, the judgment is always going to be in your favor. If I was one of those dudes who, who got hit on, on last week, they got hit, whatever, I, I was going to sue, and then when they pass the judgment, I'm, I'll be smiling in the court when they pass the judgment. <laughs> pass the judgment. Go for it, judge. Pass the judgment. I award Tafara Rock $10 million. Ten, $10 million. $10 million U.S. dollars. Amen. But, but you and I, you and I shouldn't be afraid of the word judgment because, watch this now, all of God's judgment, because of what Jesus did on the cross, all of God, God's judgment is in your favor. He says here, the Lord executes judgment for all that are oppressed. Do you know what the judgment is for all that are oppressed? You are now free. You are free from sickness and disease. You are free from the curse of the law. You are free from generational curses. You are free from poverty. Bring on judgment, Lord. Because I want to be free. I can't wait for the day of judgment. Because guess what? The Lord is going to execute judgment in our favor. Because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And I'm out of time. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. First Peter 2, 24, it says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. And so we know here, in First Peter 2, 24, we see again that there is a connection between the forgiveness of sin and the healing of, from sickness and disease. Amen. I said, amen. amen. Listen, God is the originator. God is the one that created you. And because of that, God can heal you from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. Some of you, you're here and uh, you've been told uh, your organs don't function the way that they should. And you believe that report. Well, I want to invite you to believe the report of Isaiah 53. When you believe that report, it says to you, the arm of the Lord is going to be revealed. Amen.
I said, Amen. And some of you have believed the report uh, that, you know, uh, uh, your, your, your reproductive system doesn't function well. You will not be able to carry a baby to full term and you meditate on that. Well, let me tell you what you should be meditating on. Jesus paid for it at the cross so that you could have a fully functional body from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. Amen. There is nothing that God cannot do. If he forgave you of all your sins, he can heal you of all your diseases. If he forgave a murderer, he can heal cancer. Amen. If he forgave a murderer, he can heal AIDS and HIV and AIDS. God can heal you of all those things. Amen. It's not man. It's God healing you. Man, all you have to do is to allow the very life of God to start flowing into your body, into every cell. Let that river flow. That river that wells up to eternal life, let it flow into every organ, into every kidney, into every lung, into every pancreas, into every heart right now in the name of Jesus, into every eye, into every uh, breathing uh, uh, system. Into every head we rebuke a migraine headaches right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We reverse cancerous cells right now. We reverse them. We rebuke them and we tell them to go. Retreat right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The purification of blood right now in the name of Jesus. We speak against uh, some form of sickle cell uh, mania. We speak against it right now in the name of Jesus. God is healing you right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We speak against high blood pressure in the name of Jesus. The life of God will regulate your blood pressure to normalcy right now in the name of Jesus. We speak against uh, sugar diabetes in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We speak against Down syndrome right now in Jesus' name. We speak against autism right now in the name of Jesus. Some of you have been told that either you or your children or your nephew or your niece is autistic and you have bought into that report. God is reversing that right now in the name of Jesus. <coughs> Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We release life to all your joints right now. Some of you have struggled with ankle pain, knee pain, lower back pain, shoulder pain. We refuse that and rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Be healed. Receive your healing right now. In the name of Jesus. Some of you have struggled with uh, stomach uh, pain stomach pain it comes to you cramps 
uh, uh, every often, maybe once every two months, three months, man, it comes to you. God is healing you right now in the name of Jesus. You're no longer, don't expect it. In the near future, in the coming months, don't expect it. You have been healed from it. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. And someone had COVID and you, you haven't been able to return to, uh, full, uh, to your full performance uh, uh, in exercise and, 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 you know, doing all these things and, and just functioning day to day. God is bringing you back to normalcy right now in the name of Jesus. He is, he is restoring to you perfect function. In the name of Jesus. Father, we just thank you. And we give you all the praise. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. And someone said, Amen. Before we go, we just want to give this opportunity. If you are here, you have not received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And you're saying, hey, I heard all of that. But all I want is a relationship with God. We are here to help you. And we're going to pray with you. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to uh, uh, lift your hand up wherever you are. And we're going to pray with you. Thank you, Jesus. Going once, going twice, and gone. We're all born again, all going to heaven. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we love you. God bless you. And remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We love you. God bless you. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.